Welcome to the Community Broadband Bits Podcast, a production of the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. In this episode, we take you to Urbana-Champaign, Illinois. The community is engaged in their Urbana-Champaign Big Broadband Network, also known as UC2B. Christopher visits with Carol Ammons. She's the Director of Operations for the Urbana-Champaign Independent Media Center. He also visits with Brandon Bowersox-Johnson, who is on the Policy Committee for the UC2B Project. Chris and his guests discuss the way this open access network has brought affordable connectivity to sections of the community left behind in the past. They also discuss how the Independent Media Center works to help get more people online and help those people make full use of this great community resource. Now to Chris, Carol, and Brandon. Thank you for joining me for another edition of Community Broadband Bits podcast. Uh, today I'm speaking with Carol Ammons, the Operations Director for Urbana-Champaign Independent Media Center, and Brandon Bowersox-Johnson, who's on the Policy Committee for the Urbana-Champaign Big Broadband Project. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks. Uh, can you start by describing the community a little bit for those who have not been there and are not familiar with it? Yeah, Urbana-Champaign is a mid-sized city here in central Illinois, a couple hours south of Chicago, and it's a great microcosm of the world. It's an incredibly diverse city with a university community, uh, generations of people that have been here. The total population is in Champaign and Urbana about 120,000 people, and then some more folks out in Champaign County as well. It's a university town primarily, is that right? Yeah, uh, often we call it a micro-urban community because it has a very urban feel. There's a lot of art, a lot of culture, a lot of amenities that you might only find in bigger cities, but we're a small-sized city with the University of Illinois here at the center and a lot of community, a lot of heart and soul here in the Midwest. Terrific. I, I always love to hear that um, as a as a fellow Midwesterner. Um, so can you step back in history a little bit maybe and tell us how um, you came to be organizing for a better network? The community here has had a long history of working for better broadband and bridging the digital divide. There have been generations of projects in this community to try to get people connected, get people training and equipment and, and better connectivity. And a few of the projects that are really noteworthy uh, there was a project here, uh, the, the thing that has now become called Commotion at the Open Technology Institute started with a test bed here. So that was an urban Wi-Fi mesh project to get urban neighborhoods connected and a downtown connected. And that, was, that test bed was uh, years ago with kind of a previous iteration of what is now Commotion. This town also had a project called PrairieNet. That was one of the very first community networks back when there was dial-in, and so PrairieNet offered free and affordable dial-in service for people from home or from community organizations, and uh, and then started offering web hosting to to nonprofits and community organizations right at the beginning of of that movement in you know in the 90s when dial-in was the way that people connected, and here at the Independent Media Center where Carol works, I'll let her tell the story, but it's also been a hub of media literacy, of people connecting and, uh, and getting plugged into their community. Yeah, the greatest part about the Independent Media Center, as uh, Brandon just described, uh, we were the center of um, community connectivity downtown Urbana um, back in the early 90s, 
um, these little projects started with volunteers who wanted to come and provide a free and affordable access point for Internet service, as well as the Independent Media Center hosted um, hundreds of people's websites for them on our uh, server here at the Independent Media Center. So we've always been trying to uh, bridge the digital divide be before broadband actually came about. We just did a, uh, a discussion last week um, with uh, Sasha Meinrath, um, the with uh, the Commotion Project. I think it was called CU Win when it was in uh, Urbana, wasn't it? That's correct. Uh, okay. Um, so people who are who are interested in that can uh, can check out last week's show. Um, and Carol, when people talk about the Independent Media Center, um, I don't think the average person maybe understands all the things that you do. Can you tell us a little bit of background of of what kind of media you produce and and what kind of how many people use the center that sort of thing? Yes, um, we produce. We have a newspaper uh, called The Public Eye that we produce out of the Independent Media Center. Um, it is, all of our projects are volunteer-run and operated. Uh, we also have a radio station, WRFU, which we just uh, raised a new 110-foot tower here in downtown Urbana. Um, it's, it's a beautiful center uh, where people can come and also get free public access on our public access computers as well as a full computer lab. We have other projects that are ancillary projects that support um, local uh, services like our Books to Prisoners project, which supports all of our state, federal, and local prison uh, population with literacy books. Um, that project has served uh, and sent out over 80,000 books this year uh, to date. Uh, we also have a bike project that is a, um, a partner 501c3 here in our building, uh, fiscally sponsored up to a year ago. That project um, has two sites, one in our building and one on the campus of the University of Illinois. We have uh, partnerships with uh, other businesses that are in our community, in our building. Uh, the UP Center, who really works hard, the United Pride Center, is located here in the Independent Media Center, and they work on advocacy work for GLBT community uh, as well as youth. Um, I can go on. We have a computer tech center in our building that also helps um, people who need um, actual tech support. We don't charge for any of these services. They're completely free. And people can come into our computer help desk and get help with their computers, getting them back online or showing them how to do something. Um, we also have a makerspace here in the building that um, provides uh, outreach to community to introduce technology to children, elders, and people who are generally interested. Um, so we have a lot of resources right here in the building. Every year we probably host a good, uh, I, I say about 30,000 people come through our center for one of those projects or a number of other uh, community-sponsored projects that are hosted in our venue here. So we have a lot of things going on all the time. That's it's really incredible. And, uh, and I assume that that was, um, that really formed the, fund the foundation of the organizing effort to start building the network, uh, the UC2B network that has resulted uh, out of the uh, the stimulus program. So uh, maybe, Brandon, do you want to take us through uh, how the UC2B uh, came into existence? As we were saying, this town had a history of, of work on digital literacy and the digital divide and getting people connected and all kinds of programs like those here at the Independent Media Center. 
and uh, as well as churches, barbershops, you know, places all over the community that were public access sites and where, uh, where PrairieNet and other local groups were placing computers and doing trainings uh, in, the, in the community. And the limiting factor of that was connectivity. We were in a situation where our incumbent providers were not building out the fastest connectivity to all our neighborhoods. And I have been a city council member here the past eight years and saw that we weren't able to convince the, the monopoly cable or monopoly phone provider here to really bring our community faster connectivity or make sure that that was universal access for everybody. So when the, uh, when the opportunity came to build a fiber network, which had been discussed since the 1990s, uh, but when the opportunity for stimulus funding came, the whole community rallied together with the help of groups like the IMC and others that all pulled together, had uh, working sessions and community dialogue to build the kind of coalition that it took to win funding and to connect now almost 200 anchor organizations just like the IMC all over. We're talking about the Boys and Girls Clubs. We're talking about the homeless shelters. We're talking about senior housing facilities as well as more traditional anchors like public schools, libraries, and fire stations. That was essential, right? Because you're one of very few awards that, that are doing fiber to the home or any sort of last mile connectivity in, a, uh, in an urban environment. Is that right? Yeah, we were awarded in round one and we were, we're kind of a unique project. In, in the BTOP ecosystem, we're one of the few projects that is doing urban fiber to the home. And so we're, we're not only connecting those almost 200 anchor organizations and the independent media center here is one of them with a symmetric fiber to their building connection. But we're also doing fiber to the home in eligible underserved neighborhoods. We proved that they were underserved by the incumbent providers and so we won funding so that people in those neighborhoods could get fiber to their home, even to their trailer or to their apartment unit, uh, fiber into each unit in those eligible census tracts. One of the things that I'm curious about, we on this show, we often just talk about how we're getting access out, but, but Carol, with you on the call, we have a great opportunity to ask, what are you going to be able to do with the Independent Media Center with uh, this new connectivity? We've just gotten on board um, as far as our access inside of our building. We just got hooked up with our um, uh, direct to our computers, uh, I believe about two weeks ago. Um, so right now we have a volunteer that's setting up um, actual instructional classes in our computer lab that will allow people, we have a lab of, we have about 12 computers that people can come inside the Independent Media Center and use. We also have a 50-inch um, screened uh, instructional monitor that we've also um, hooked up as a result of that UC2B connection so that we can have instructional classes to teach people how to use some of the basic resources. So we hope to um, offer classes to senior citizens, which we're working on a project right now, so that they can start learning how to Skype and see their relatives and families that live all over the country. Many of them don't know how to use this technology or even just the basic softwares that are accessible by Internet. Um, so we're going to actually offer them right inside of the Independent Media Center. We're also working on a, a project for um, recent migrants to our community who also don't have the resources to be able to connect with their families back in their home countries, um, we're going to actually offer that here in the Independent Media Center. So I think the, the faster broadband has allowed us to, to up our game, so to speak, so that we could offer to the community a faster connectivity, 
access point so that they could utilize Skype in a way that they've not been able to do in their own communities. Um, they don't have the technology. We also have uh, started a uh, with uh, again community partners like our Parkland College and um, Volo, uh, which is a local company we partner with, so that we can do a digital divide project that allow our tech volunteers to rehab computers in our facility and offer them to um, low income residents at considerably low cost, about $50 to $100. They can come here, learn how to use a computer, take that computer for a small donation, and go home and hook up to that broadband that's been uh, available in their home areas. As Carol had mentioned, there's a low-power FM radio station, WRFU, here on site with a tower, except even with the new taller tower, it does not quite reach every neighborhood of our urban area. And so WRFU has wanted to stream online, but with their old connection that was limited to something like 1.5 megabits upload, they just were not able to stream their signal to many people in the community. And now the fiber optic Internet connection here is 40 megabits upload, and that means that they're able to broadcast more online streams and really serve with the radio station the parts of the community that could not reach the broadcast signal. Uh, another great example is the community web hosting piece was kind of maxed out because they just couldn't get a fast enough data pipe out of this building from existing providers. And now with the new fiber to their building connection, can do more community web hosting and let more people come onto that service again. So it's all these things that have been possible with fiber. And on top of that, the fiber optic connection has saved money. So now for 40 megabits upload and download symmetric fiber, which is a great connection. I wish I had that at my home. You're not the only one. <laughs> For 40 megabits, the IMC is paying 39.99 a month. And I, I can definitely speak to the 39.99 a month. <laughs> as operations, we spend quite a bit. We were spending quite a bit. As a matter of fact, I got the go last week to disconnect our current provider, which is great. So we can disconnect, save that money, and then be able to offer all of these uh, services to the community. But I can also speak from a home uh, user because I live, um, I'm lucky to live near uh, our major hospital, and that major hospital area is located in one of the census tracts, and so our home was uh, fiber optic connected, and we're a, a client of UC2B. And so we have, uh, again, faster Internet service in our home for $19 a month, <laughs> which is considerably lower than what I was paying to the local provider. So we did get uh, faster service, we got better access points, and we got a cheaper rate. And I don't think you can um, beat that anywhere. Yeah, that, that $20 a month plan is 20 megabits symmetric connection. And it's the kind of thing you can Skype, you can do movies, you can coordinate with your family, or you can produce media files and upload them. That's all possible only with this kind of next generation fiber and symmetric sort of technologies that just weren't available before. Well, I think we're at a little bit of risk of making people too jealous of, of this UC2B network, uh, Brandon. But, uh, Brandon, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the open access in that not only is this network offering these incredible deals and connecting people who previously did not either have a connection or did not have an affordable connection, uh, they're also going to have a choice of service providers. Uh, walk us through the open access provisions. Yeah, so part of because we accepted some dollars from the ARRA, uh, Recovery Act funds, the network is required to be open, and 
that means that citizens will have the choice of signing up with any other private provider that comes along and says, you know what, I also want to be a service provider on this network and have access to these fiber optic lines. So because we're an open network, as we finish construction here, we will begin signing up private sector providers who all have a right to, to step forward and say that they want to be a service provider on this network as well. So hopefully the long-term solution is that this brings our community more choice and more competition, which will drive up the quality of service, whether that's the speeds or the customer service or the packages that are offered and available for citizens to choose from while driving down costs because there's finally going to be true competition here in our telecom sector in Urbana-Champaign. Can uh, I ask you if there's anything else that we should know about the network? I would say the, you know, the success here has been really broad coalitions like those between community groups like the independent media center that are working at the grassroots level and government like our city of Urbana, Champaign, and the University of Illinois that all formed the, the partnership to apply for these funds and our state of Illinois and our, our visionary governor who also committed matching funds to make the project happen. So it was so many leaders at every level from the grassroots to our community organizations to our state that all are working together with all these anchors throughout our community to make this possible. And it really wouldn't be for this broad coalition that we were able to make such a difference for the community. And I should also say that I would have loved to have had uh, Mike Smeltzer on the call. Um, he's been um, reminding me in the past what a great network uh, you've done. And um, we unfortunately couldn't tie him in just to, due to uh, logistics on my end. Um, but I, I think we will have another call to talk a little bit more in depth about some of the, the real interesting nuts and bolts kinds of things you're doing on the network that's a little bit different. So um, I didn't want to just ignore his contribution either. Absolutely. Mike Smeltzer was one of those people who had a vision and pulled this whole coalition together and said, we are going to apply for these funds. We can make this a reality because he had been dreaming of fiber for many, many, many years and of next generation connectivity. And he is a great person to talk to about the nuts and bolts of how communities can get themselves wired up and make a difference for people. And I'm hoping that, uh, you know, I hope the uh, Obama administration will continue to fund next phase projects with um, the broadband networks throughout the country. And, and as I came from the National uh, Conference of Media Reform, um, this was one of the topics that really kind of stood out because some communities, certainly in the southern region, um, don't have connectivity at all. And those rural communities are really, really uh, missing out. So I, I'm hoping that there's some continued funding and work around this country to get everybody access. Right, and Carol, I think I think the Independent Media Center there in Urbana-Champaign offers just a terrific model of how communities should start organizing to make sure that they're able to take advantage of any new funding opportunities that, that come along. Yes, it is. It's, um, I think it's a leading, um, I don't know what this community honestly would be without the Independent Media Center. Uh, they were on the forefront of this issue before Obama came to be, and so I'm hoping that um, the Independent Media Center continues to grow into the next generation and provide exactly the kind of push that's necessary in communities. Great. Well, thank you so much for both of you taking time this morning to, to talk with us, and uh, uh, we look forward to following uh, your progress. Thank you so much for having us on.
That was Carol Ammons and Brandon Bowersox-Johnson from Urbana-Champaign in Illinois. For more information on the network, check out uc2b.org. You can learn about the current network and get news about expansion efforts. If you follow the UC2B tag at muninetworks.org, you'll also find video from one of Chris's presentations that was hosted by the Independent Media Center. We want to hear your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. You can also follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at communitynets. This show was released on April 16, 2013. We want to thank Mount Carmel for their song, O Louisa, Slow Blues, licensed using Creative Commons. Thanks for listening.